Thanks for tuning in to Tax Strategy Digest, where we explore the fascinating world of finance. Join us as we dive into the stories, insights, and experiences of experts, thought leaders, and everyday people who are making a difference in this field. Through engaging conversations and thought-provoking discussions, we'll take a deep dive into the latest research, trends, and innovations shaping finance. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn something new on this journey here with us. Welcome to this episode of Tax Strategy Digest. Today, our guest is Justin Dixon, who, among other businesses, has acquired over 650 multifamily units as a general partner in over four states. He is passionate about helping those who work W-2 jobs make an entrance into the real estate game. Justin, thanks for joining me on this episode today. Yeah, no, uh, really happy to be here, Paul. Thanks for having me. Of course. And why don't you start it off? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, so um, kind of all the way back, I kind of grew up in a very rural part of central Pennsylvania, so didn't really have any exposure to uh, real estate investing or investing in general. My Both my parents worked, um, and, you know, we kind of grew up in a very kind of middle-class lifestyle, and, you know, the, the, the plan was, and this kind of uh, guidance was, save your money, invest in a 401k, work at a good big company, and then hopefully have enough money to retire. So um, that's the path I went on. I went to college, um, got out of college, fell into recruiting as a as a career and uh, haven't kind of fallen out of it yet, um, which is uh, kind of interesting. But uh, my really my kind of entrepreneurial and real estate journey really didn't start until kind of mid 2018 when um, my wife and I, uh, we lived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We owned a condo and on our on my walk to work one day, I started reading a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And literally, as I, I finished that book, it was a, a light bulb moment for me, um, kind of realizing that wow, there's actually like a different path. People, uh, you know, can live a different way as opposed to just working for 40-ish years and hoping you've got enough money in retirement to to live the rest of your life. And so um, I was kind of at a unique scenario where uh, I was hoping my wife was, uh, you know, going to find the book uh, as appealing as I did. Um, so I kind of nervously gave it to her uh, because I was, I kind of had the, the, the light bulb was on, the flip was switched, and I was ready to you know, take what little money that we had saved and started investing uh, in whatever way that we possibly could. And so uh, luckily, she's a fast reader and read it over a, a weekend, I think, and uh, had the same reaction that I did. We were like, you know, what the heck are we doing with our lives? You know, why, why are we, you know, spending our time and effort helping other people um, build businesses and run businesses and all of that. And so that was kind of the start of our journey. And, you know, we we're both W-2 workers. We weren't making a ton of money, um, but we had a little bit of savings and we were like, all right, let's, let's start the real estate journey. And we started looking in Philadelphia for a two to four unit apartment complex. Um, I wasn't really interested in jumping into the single family game uh, because I thought it was too risky to have one unit, one tenant. And if that tenant left, um, I was on the hook for the full mortgage and we weren't in a financial position to float the mortgage for our condo plus a mortgage for a, you know, a rental. So uh, we started looking in Philly for a two to four unit, made a bunch of offers, um, couldn't find one that we liked. And then I just stumbled upon um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania as a, as a market. And um, even though we were living all the way across the other side of the state, we, uh, I met a really awesome real estate agent and he worked with me and kind of was my eyes and ears in Pittsburgh. And we found a, a duplex a few months later and, and 
first time I saw it in person was during the inspection and we were, uh, we were off and running. Um, so happy to kind of talk more, but that's kind of the, that was kind of the, the very kind of start of our journey. And then, uh, you know, I can talk about me quitting my job and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Let's get into it. So why did you quit your job? I mean, was it just to become your own boss or what, what really enabled you to take that leap of faith? So one thing that kind of the, we kind of thought about was we, we both were working full time, right? Which means you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And um, at that time, we were also finishing up our master's degree. So we were also, you know, I was getting my MBA, she was doing her master's at Penn. And it was just a lot of, a lot of time was spent not focusing on um, kind of, or, or not a, a lot of time available to focus on, you know, other things. So um, at the end of 2018, I had finished my MBA and I was like, okay, I want to find uh, a, I want to start the process to quitting my job and I'm not, I'm a very risk averse person. So I wasn't going to just cut the cord. Like a lot of people I've talked to do, they just like, screw it. I'm done. I'm going to cut my cords, burn all the boats. And, you know, I'm going to figure this out come hell or high water. Uh, that's not my personality. And so what we did was we kind of said, okay, 2019 is going to be our year to set ourselves up for me to quit my job in January of 2020. And that's what we did. I, I actually uh, was recruited out of my comp my position uh, into another job that paid me a little bit more. Um, and so we we consciously made the, the decision to, in 2019, to downgrade our lifestyle. Uh, we had a very nice condo in, in Philadelphia. We said, okay, we can make some money off of that by renting it. Uh, and we are going to move out to the suburbs into a smaller uh, two-bedroom apartment so that we can shrink our expenses to the point that uh, my wife's salary could uh, float our lifestyle, right? So we, you know, where a lot of our friends were buying houses and having kids and expanding their lifestyle, expanding some of their expenses, we were doing the exact opposite and, and consciously shrinking everything down as much as we possibly could, um, you know, without kind of going down the route of eating peanut butter and jelly every day for for dinner. Uh, we didn't go that extreme. Um and with the goal of 2020 January was was going to be my exit and and that's what happened so we got we got everything set up we had some some money coming in from our Pittsburgh property we had some money coming in from our Philadelphia property and uh, my wife's salary could float kind of our our lifestyle so um January 2020 I went into my boss's office and I said thank you uh for the for the opportunity but I'm going to you know go on and focus on uh, building a recruiting business because I've been doing it at that point for, you know, over a decade. And I had a big enough network in the Philadelphia area that I felt pretty confident that I could at the very least replace my salary with uh, income from, from recruiting. Um, and that would also give me the time available to focus uh, a lot of effort on understanding the real estate markets uh, and at that point, we had kind of narrowed down our kind of interest area into larger multifamily syndication. So little did we know that uh, COVID was going to put a big wrench uh, in our in the works where, uh, you know, literally a month after uh, I quit, COVID was a pandemic and people were getting locked down and nobody was recruiting, nobody was hiring. So um, me starting a business in recruiting was not the smartest idea at that point. Um but yeah, it was really a conscious effort to really understand and kind of focus on spending time in um, things that we can control. Uh, it wasn't necessarily about being my own boss. It was more about being the boss of my own time and being able to focus on things 
that I wanted. Um, while my wife was kind of the steady Eddie paycheck benefits. And I was the risk. I was the one that was going out, uh, and trying to build something that would ultimately generate more money than if I was just sitting in a, in a W2. Nice. And how did you effectively manage your time between starting, you know, this new recruiting company, but also looking into real estate and uh, deciding, you know, multifamily was going to be the strongest for you and really diving in there? So with COVID uh, ramping up and not uh, allowing me to really spend a lot of time in recruiting because there wasn't anything to really recruit on, um, it kind of made the decision for me. Um, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise if I think back. I was able to spend uh, a, a, a lot of time in 2020 just understanding and digging into multifamily syndication uh, from all sides. And, you know, if, if anybody out there is, you know, in the syndication world, it's much different analyzing a two unit apartment complex versus using a hundred unit apartment complex. There's a lot more that goes into managing that property. You need a lot more people uh, as far as a team to actually take down these big assets. So I joined a, a syndication group uh, out of Dallas, and that gave me instant access to experts that had been doing it a lot longer than I had. Um, they had a system and a process, and they already had built up relationships with brokers and lenders and all of that fun stuff. So, um, But it gave me the time to really analyze deals day in and day out. I probably analyzed over 200 door, uh, 200 properties across a number of different states because I wanted to learn that side of the business because even though now I'm more on the kind of investor relations, helping raise money and bring some investors into deals, um, I'm really, uh, I really am, am glad that I spent the time to understand how to underwrite deals because when I'm sent a deal from another operator or somebody else that found it, I can very quickly and easily go in and say, ooh, that looks a little bit too aggressive, or I don't know if they're going to get those rent bumps, or I can kind of quickly say, I say yes or no, if I'm going to, you know, kind of sign on uh, to kind of help out uh, and be part of that, that general partnership team. So that's kind of how I was forced to kind of split my time and focus more on real estate. Um, and then 2021, it kind of the, the pendulum flew the other direction where recruiting got super busy um, because everybody was hiring in 2021, it felt like. And um, I realized that I can make a lot of money if I focus on recruiting and spend um, kind of the other half of my time on real estate, but really kind of working with partners and working with a, a smaller group to say, okay, instead of me just being the one man band trying to find everything, I was working with a few other people that um, you know, we were, we're all kind of in a unified front going after the same goals. So for anybody listening, if they, for some reason, I'm sure they see it on, you know, Grant Cardone might come up with for them or whatever, whoever the influencer is that always talks about, um, syndication, would you mind just explaining it in, in the simplest of terms, what real estate syndication is and who it might benefit? Yeah. I mean, in simplest terms, it's, it's really kind of, pulling investors, general partners, and limited partners together in, to take down a big asset that one person may or may not be able to take down themselves, right? So the first deal that I got into was, I think it was a little over 200 units. Uh, I was in, outside of Kansas City, Kansas. Um, and the general partnership team was, I think, eight or 10 people. And those people all had roles in the business to some people found the deal. Some people were doing kind of marketing, investor relations, and raising money, and bringing in, you know, um, 
earnest money or kind of hard money that goes down to kind of take, you know, kind of solidify the deal. Um, so that's kind of in a very simple terms. It's just a group of people coming together, whether you're um, part of the general partnership team, I mean, you've done some work on the deal, or you're just a limited partner and you're bringing some, you're investing capital, expecting a return on that investment, right? So why I kind of enjoy this part of the, or this kind of asset class is typically when things are going well, um, the passive investor is going to generate a cash on cash return, uh, a certain percentage based on the deal and the risk and all that fun stuff. Um, so they're going to generate cash income um, while they are holding that, that asset or while they are invested in that asset, uh, which is typically a four to six year time horizon. So it's a, it's a fairly illiquid investment. Um, but, and so, but then also once you're kind of done and that asset is sold, you are theoretically going to get a lot of friends to come back with your money. Um, so, the way that I like to think about it, oh, and there's tax advantages, which I'm not a CPA, so I can't, you know, dig too deep into, but you can, you know, there are massive tax advantages to investing in real estate, uh, uh, any asset class real estate, but but specifically in, in multifamily. Um, so the good thing about kind of thing I like about real estate is you're not investing in something that is kind of a soft asset or, a, or like a stock or a Bitcoin or something that you really can't just go out and touch and see and feel. Like I like the fact that um, I'm invested in hard assets, meaning I can go see it, I can touch it, I can talk to people that are managing the property, whether that's the person that brought me the deal or if you're part of that general partnership team, you can talk to the leads that found it. Um, and also there's some value in just the physical asset itself. So if things go south and the the execution plan is not, uh, or the business plan is not executed appropriately, you still have something you can sell to hopefully get back at minimum your invested capital. So maybe a little bit of a long-winded answer, but I think real estate investing should be you know part of any diversified portfolio. Um, if it, whether it's multifamily or single family or, you know, debt funds or whatever the case is, uh, I think there's, it could be beneficial for, for a lot of people. Perfect. And if someone is Maybe maybe they need the money. Maybe they've invested far too much. Is there any way to make that liquid? Obviously, um, they don't have access like normal if they were to try and get, you know, maybe it's their own rental property. They're going to do a home equity line of credit or they're going to do a refinance. They're just going to eat the um, high interest rates right now and they need the, they need the cash right now. But yeah. um, when they're investing in a syndication, is, is there any way for them to get that money out? Um, I would say... Uh, yes, uh, I have not kind of gone down that path. Um, but I have heard people that have gotten into, you know, cash constraints in their personal lives and they need the 50 or hundred grand back or a portion of it. Um, there's legal documents that need to be created because effectively you're investing into an LLC or a company. So you're, you are buying shares in that LLC that owns that real estate. So you would have to sell your shares to somebody that wants to buy them at a specific price. Um, so the short answer is, is it possible to get your money back out? Yes, you are foregoing any return that you would have generated. Um, but it's not a, it's not as simple as signing a document. It's, it, there are legal costs also that, that this person would have to incur to, um, you know, have, uh, to kind of extract their capital back out. Um, it's not impossible. It's not, but it's not something that's done regularly because it is, it is a cost, um, for sure. And who are the types of people that you typically work with? Are they 
uh, W-2 earners, are they, you know, making a certain dollar amount? Are they 50,000, 250,000? Where's the general, um, you know, partner that you work with? It's a, it's a great question. And the beauty about real estate investing, I, I thought it was for the rich and famous, right? I thought you had to be a multimillionaire to be able to, to invest in deals, um, whether they were small or large. Um, but I have people that are invested with me in, in deals that, uh, you know, I don't know what they make necessarily, but, you know, they're my golf buddies that, you know, they're, they're not making millions, but they have saved up money and they want to invest for the cash. They also want to invest for the appreciation. I also have people that are entrepreneurs that have built businesses and now they are in the investing mode of their lives where they have their biggest problem is they need to, they've got money sitting in a bank account or that's going to be coming to them from a, another sell, sale and they need to put that money back into an investment. Um, so I have people like that, that, that I work with. Um, so the beauty about real estate is anybody can get access to it. You don't have to be a multimillionaire. You don't have to make 150 or $500,000 a year. Um, there are certain investments that you have to be either accredited, uh, that you have to be accredited to get access to. Um, and if, you know, if you want to dig down that road, like there's two different types of kind of syndications. You can be a 506B or a 506C. The general kind of, there are a lot of kind of kind of differences, but the general differences are 506Bs. You don't have to be accredited uh, to an accredited investor and able to get access to that deal. Uh, if it is a 506C, you would have to be accredited um, and prove that you are accredited to to invest in, in that asset. So um, so the beauty is you don't have to be a millionaire to, to get access to, to real estate. And what's the reason for having someone be accredited? Is it because they don't want people to do exactly what we were just talking about? They want you to, you know, have a large net worth where this isn't going to affect, um, you know, your overall well-being so that you're not taking your piece and trying to um, liquidate it. Is that the, is that the reason or is there a different one? Uh, well, so one of the benefits of a 506C, uh, meaning you have to have all accredited investors, uh, it means you can advertise it. So I could take a billboard out on you know, the highway and say, I've got this deal at this specific address, and these are the projected returns, Texas number to invest. Um, 506Bs, you cannot uh, advertise. You can only um, send that deal to people that you have what the SEC says is a substantial uh, you know, relationship with them, meaning you, you know who they are, uh, you know their investment profile, whether they've invested in real estate or not, but you kind of have an idea who they are. Um, you know, If I didn't know you, I wouldn't be able to send you a 506B deal. Um, but if we've had conversations and I've documented those conversations, then I could send you a deal if it was a 506B. Um, you know, I think people do the 506C, so they do weed out some of the people that are uh, maybe newer investors or that will invest. Uh, the investment will feel like a a cost in the sense that you know maybe they've got you know a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and they're giving fifty of that to an investor to invest it. That's going to feel like a, a burden that they're going to have to kind of be worried about versus you know a multimillionaire that's got dozens of investments across different assets or different properties. And yes, while they would be upset to lose fifty or hundred thousand dollars, it's not going to ruin their lives. Um, they will be making that up in other ass in other investments. So, do you generally have like a minimum amount that investors can invest with you and your team, or is that uh, is does it not really matter? 
Uh, yeah, there's typically a minimum. It depends on the deal. It can be anywhere. I've seen it like 50. I've seen it up to 100 or 150, depend 150,000, depending on on the deal and the amount of money that we need to raise. Uh, and if it's typically for the 506C deal, uh, it's typically 100 and above. But um, that's because you're going after accredited investors. But yeah, so there's deals that I've been involved in uh, that are 506B, and I've uh, the minimum was like 50,000. So not a, not a small amount of money necessarily, but uh, attainable for, you know, um, you know, people that are working, you know, upper middle class jobs and, and things like that. What about for anyone looking for an operator? I mean, what are some of the characteristics that they should be looking for in an operator and how can they make the most out of the team that they're trusting? Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing, especially if you're you're looking to be a, a more passive investor. Uh, first and foremost, you need to have some level of education around the asset class that you're going to be investing in. So if it's syndications, you're going to want to like do some education. Obviously, you're listening to this podcast, so that's part of it. Um, I would highly recommend attending an event or two just to kind of listen to the jargon, the the different terms that are talked about, understand kind of what. Um, especially because you're going to be sent pitch decks that are going to have a lot of, you know, NOI and return on investment and cash on cash. So you're going to want to just at least have a high level knowledge if you don't already of what those are. Um, and then you're going to want to talk to a handful of operators, people that are finding deals and or people that are bringing you deals. So they are on the kind of the capital raising investor relations side. Um, and you really want to understand you know, what that person's track record is, that's most important. Um, you ideally want to find somebody that has kind of been through a market cycle, right? We're kind of in a down cycle right now with high interest rates and, and all of that. Um, so, you know, you may find people that are newer and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you want to make sure that you know, like, and trust that person enough to provide or, or give them some of your capital. So, you know, talking to those people, ask them for references. It's like interviewing them for a job, right? So ask them for references and say, hey, I want to talk to two or three people that have invested with you in multiple deals. Um, because odds are, especially over the last handful of years, there's been deals that have been great. And they've looked like a rock star and there's been deals that have not been great, uh, especially if they've invested in deals over the last two years. Uh, you know, odds are distributions have been paused. Um, there's been some hardship because if they did variable rate debt, you know, there's a lot of things that have happened the last two years that have really um, showed who the kind of good operators are um, versus kind of the ones that maybe were a little bit aggressive on their underwriting and kind of over promised and under delivered um, versus the other way around. So, you know, interview them like you're interviewing somebody for a job, ask them what their track record is, ask them why they're in the asset class, or if they are a capital raiser or, or somebody that's kind of raising money, ask them who the, who they, the operators are that they're investing with, because you're kind of three degrees of separation from the deal. So if you're the deal finder, if you're the operator, then you're the one that found it. So you have a very intimate knowledge of, of the deal, the underwriting, because you probably did it. Um, but if you're kind of investing through a syndicator, um, then you're going to want to know who the actual person is that found it. Have they done work with them before? What has been their track record? So um, track record is the most important because while you know past performance is not necessarily an indicator of future performance, uh, it's, it's a good tool and a good data point to have for sure. So what is the current market for the multifamily real estate space look like right now? Are deals still penciling out and are deals still going through? 
Uh, I think deals are still going through. It's definitely slower than I think uh, I interviewed somebody on my podcast, I think last week, and they said that deal um, transactions are down like 75% from last year or something like that. So, which is not surprising. I mean, there was very, very few deals hitting my inbox and I'm using deals as a very loose term, meaning listings, um, listings hitting my inbox in Q1 uh, of this year. So very, very few, usually that's a very busy time of the year because people want to launch deals. They want to get them out. Um, Q2 was definitely uh, a, a normal quarter, I would say, as far as deal flow. Um, the deals that I'm underwriting, uh, one I've, I've, minimize my selection criteria in the sense that I'm not looking at as many uh, locations or um, MSAs. Uh, and I'm also being a little bit more stringent on my underwriting, being more conservative than I have been. And in my opinion, there is still a delta between what uh, sellers are asking for. They're still wanting a almost a 2021 style premium on an asset that, you know, back then the interest rates were two to 3%. Now they're seven, six to probably 8%, depending. Um, and you just can't, can't value them the same, uh, in those two instances. So I'm not seeing deals that are penciling necessarily that Delta seems to be shrinking. Uh, people are starting to get, become a little bit more, uh, realistic in what their valuations are. Um, I still haven't found anything that I think I would run after. However, I will say if you can make a deal pencil in this market, it should be, in my opinion, a very good deal because if you're able to get a deal under contract at call it six to 7% interest, odds are you're going to be able to refinance that in two to three years and have a lower interest rate. Because theoretically, you know, if you kind of read the tea leaves, you, you, you would think that interest rates would be going down, um, over the next 24 months, 36 months versus going up uh, higher than where they are now. So I, I'm a, I'm definitely a buyer in this market. I'm much more cautious for sure. Um, but I, I definitely, if there's deals to be had, I'm, I'm interested. It's just a matter of finding the right one in the right market. Perfect. And you talked a little bit about your podcast. Do you want to um, tell us about the name of it, what you dive into, what you talk about? So anybody listening could check it out. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the podcast is Work Hard, Invest Harder. Uh, effectively, I wanted to build a, a platform where I could uh, educate people like I was uh, kind of back in 2018, 2019, where they may have heard about real estate, but they thought it was not in their uh, grasp. They they couldn't necessarily you know attain it. Um, and so I bring on guests that are you know successful in different uh, assets, of of real estate, whether it's multifamily or short-term rentals or single family, because I want to be able to educate people on as many different options uh, that they that they can kind of get into. Because you know, while I kind of picked multifamily, um, I'm actually starting to pick my head up and look at other asset classes. Uh, I think short-term rentals are kind of interesting right now, just because they tend to have a higher cash flow uh, than you know a multifamily deal, because a lot of those deals are are kind of not cash flowing at the moment, especially if you've got variable rate debt. So yeah, work hard, invest harder podcast. Uh, I, I bring on guests every week, so every Tuesday a new podcast launch. Uh, I appreciate you uh, letting me kind of plug that. So that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, totally. And um, I wanted to get back. I know you mentioned that you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that was kind yeah. of what sparked this whole thing. Uh, obviously, that book probably holds a pretty special place in your heart. But are there any other books that you would recommend to somebody listening? Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, any of the bigger pockets, if you go to biggerpockets.com, they have a, a lot of books. There was one, um, 
uh, I just was, I actually had the, 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 what's it called? Anyway, I had the, uh, the actual uh, author on my podcast uh, before. I can't remember what it was called, but uh, it, it, I would say any of the books that are on there, because they, they outline strategies around like the Burr method, buy rent, uh, rehab, refinance, repeat. Um, so they have a lot of good educational. And, and what I would say is they're not um, written in a way that is intimidating. And so they kind of make it um, digestible for even a novice investor. Um, so definitely check out any of those books from like a real estate perspective. One book that I'm really into right now that's about kind of scaling and building businesses is called Who Not How. So really kind of focusing on not trying to do everything yourself and, you know, really using other people, whether they're, you know, gig workers or VAs or, or employees to kind of do things to help you scale your business, especially if you are kind of the entrepreneur uh, or, or founder of that business. So I'd say those are two that I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm into right now, um, especially so. Perfect. And then uh, how do you define success? That's a good question. Uh, I would say from a multifamily perspective, um, you know, obviously I'm a steward of other people's money. I'm very um, anxious and cautious about where I'm um, helping people invest their capital. Uh, I'm more risky when it's my own money. I'd rather lose my own money than lose somebody else's, right? So um, success to me is having investors repeat investments. I've had a few of them repeat for me in deals. That makes me feel good. Uh, I would say those. that's a really good measure of success for me from an investor standpoint. Uh, obviously, you want to get returns on your investment. And uh, you know, if you're getting in good in, good returns, your investors are happy, they're going to reinvest that money. Um, and it's just going to be a nice cycle. And then also getting referrals. I've had a few uh, folks, you know, say, hey, you may want to talk to this person because they've they've seen some success uh, with me as well. So I would say referrals and and you know, having repeat happy investors, that makes me happy. Because uh, if they're happy, I'm happy, and uh, we can do bigger, bigger and better deals uh, for sure. Awesome. And uh, last question I ask everybody who comes on the podcast is, what is your why and why do you do what you do? Yeah, so the why is really, I want to be able to live life on my own terms uh, and do what I want, where I want, and when I want. Um, so, you know, people talk about financial freedom as a very uh, broad term. Um, my focus right now is building a financial foundation, meaning I've got this kind of safety net, this kind of launching pad that I have enough cash flow coming in that that it sustains my my life and my lifestyle for my wife and myself. Um, and that's kind of why I do it because I don't want to be the 40 year working man that you know you've tried to save as much money as you can from retirement and then you realize the the market tanks right before you want to retire and you can't retire. So I don't want to have, that be the the reason I I am working. I want to be able to kind of choose what I do, and so you know, freedom uh, of time and money and and location is really important. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna put your link to your LinkedIn down below. But is there anywhere else that people should reach out if they want to learn uh, any more about you? Yeah, no, LinkedIn's great. I, I do uh, I do tend to post more on there uh, around recruiting and real estate. Um, so definitely reach out. If you want to learn more about re real estate, uh, it's just Justin. Our, our business is actually uh, greatventurecapital.com. My email is just justin at greatventurecapital.com. So yeah, that's probably the best way. Perfect. Well, Justin, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Happy to do it.